It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, November 28th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka's assembly will consider renewing its lease with the state of Alaska for the local airport when it meets tonight, but the controversial issue of parking fees will be discussed sometime in the future. The assembly will also take up an appropriation for the final phase of the Sitka Seawalk and decide whether to invest a substantial amount in software for the Human Resources Department in City Hall. Sitka has been planning major improvements to Sitka's airport terminal. Before it could receive $43 million in FAA grant funding for the project, the assembly will need to approve a new lease with the state of Alaska, which owns the land the airport sits on. The proposed lease would cost the city about $17,000 each year for a 55-year term starting in July 2024. Parking fees have been proposed as one way to offset some of that cost. City Administrator John Leach wrote a memo to the Assembly that while he recommends parking fees, any fees should be discussed separately, not be included in the main airport lease. Funding the final section of the Sitka Seawalk is on tonight's agenda. The $5 million project would extend the Seawalk from the library, around the base of O'Connell Bridge, and past the Cable House to connect with Lincoln Street. The city's portion of the cost is only $285,000 to be paid from the state head tax on cruise passengers, officially known as the Commercial Passenger Vessel Excise Tax. The Sitka tribe has raised objections to the proposed route of the Seawalk near the bridge and have encouraged planners to preserve a historic clam garden identified by archaeologists in the area. The city administration is asking the assembly for a supplemental appropriation of $205,000 to purchase a human resources information system. In his memo, municipal administrator John Leach describes the city's current paper-based system as time-consuming, error-prone, and frustrating. Funding for the purchase would come from the Information Technology Fund. Near the top of tonight's agenda, Ben Huey from Sitka Trailworks will deliver a report on Sitka's trail plan and the results of an extensive survey on trail use earlier this year. KCAW will broadcast tonight's meeting live following Alaska News Nightly, beginning at 6 p.m. While searchers continue to look for the missing and crews worked to clear the highway and restore power, many Wrangell residents paused last Thursday to gather at the community center and share a Thanksgiving meal. Some were evacuees stranded from their homes on the other side of the landslide. Others were out-of-town visitors who had arrived to help in the recovery effort. KSTK's Colette Zarnicki stopped by and brings us this story. Lucy Robinson is in the basement of the community center helping direct dozens of volunteers to prepare for the Thanksgiving community meal. They carry food upstairs to the gym and Robinson shows them where supplies are if evacuees need anything. We have a lot here and I don't, if people need things, I would rather them come here and shop here. She says donations that have come from the nearby community of Petersburg significantly boosted the donation supply for all folks who need it. So this is kind of our animal feed here, uh, waters, juices, drinks, things like that. Jamie Roberts, who evacuated from her home with her family, searches through bins of donations to grab critical items that they can use while away from their house. Some of this stuff you can't get in town. It's not available. Um, you know, there's lots of shirts and pants available, but try and find, you don't, you don't find underwear at a thrift store. So. Through this tragedy, Roberts feels gratitude for how her community came together to support everyone affected by the landslide. I just really want to say thanks to the community because we've had no shortage of people wanting to provide 
vehicles, lodging, food, supplies. So hugs, oh, lots yeah. of love. Big love. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm so glad to see you. Yeah, me too. Back upstairs in the gym, people of all ages are shooting hoops on the court. Younger kids play on the bounce house. Tammy Meisner also helped organize the Thanksgiving event. Um, people donated turkeys, people are cooking turkeys, people are bringing, like, um, my husband is out helping, um, but he made a huge pasta salad today um, because we've decided not to do a personal um, Thanksgiving um, and we're going to do that at a different time, but we want to be here. A few hours later, a variety of food lines the edge of the stage from left to right. It includes the basic Thanksgiving food along with pizza and mac and cheese. Music blares and at one point two local women dance to a holiday tune. Rhonda Butler walks in, gathers food and sits down to talk. She came in from Juneau to assist with communication efforts for residents who are still out of service. I work with Central Council Clinkett and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. She's here setting up the satellite internet system Starlink near the landslide. She says she has a small generator that she plugs it into that works in remote locations. Butler says that many people in the 75 homes that are on the other side of the landslide are tribal citizens. She says she's thankful that she can assist them in whatever way they need. The long-term effects of being isolated or having no access to means of being able to go to our our grounds to go hunting. It's hunting season. That's um, some of the only means of filling our tribal citizens refrigerators and freezers for the winter. So, and then we have the tribal citizens that are out there cut off from their families right now. So it's really important to the tribe that we're here in responding at whatever capacity that we're capable of. Thanksgiving in Wrangell may not have gone originally as planned for many, but the community came together as best as they could to share a warm meal, music, and conversation. In Wrangell, I'm Colette Zarnicki. When it comes to Kuskokwim River salmon, the only thing the federal government and state of Alaska seem to agree on is there's a lot at stake in a legal battle over rural priority for subsistence. KNBA's Rhonda McBride talked with Representative Mary Peltola about the lawsuit the federal government has filed against the state of Alaska and its impact on salmon management. Representative Mary Peltola says cooperation is always in the best interest of salmon, and a lawsuit the federal government has filed against the state shows the failure of both agencies to find common ground. And not worry so much about whose jurisdiction it is and who has the final say. So I think all fisheries management should be collaborative between managers and stakeholders. But 10 years ago, after a series of failed salmon runs, the federal government took over management of about 200 miles of the lower Kuskokwim, the part that runs through federal land. Another 500 miles remains under state control. Federal managers claim jurisdiction under the Alaska National Interest Lands Conservation Act, or ANILCA, which gives it authority to manage subsistence for a rural priority in times of shortage. But when federal managers clashed with the state over regulations three summers ago, it filed a lawsuit against the state. 
The state, though, claims that federal management has interfered with its responsibility to make sure enough salmon reached their spawning grounds. But Peltola doesn't believe that's entirely true. One of the flaws that I see in the state's argument is that the state of Alaska Department of Fish and Game statewide, they meet their Chinook escapement goals between 50 and 60 percent of the time, which is an F. Peltola says that once federal managers and tribes began to co-manage the lower river in 2015, escapement goals were met, which allowed enough salmon to reach their spawning grounds. She says that the state has repeatedly tried to lower that target, which both the tribes and federal managers oppose. We understand the importance of eggs in the gravel and People understand that we don't have abundance. We used to see six returning fish for every fish that spawned. Now we see less than one returning fish for every fish that spawns. Peltola does have a dog in this fight. Before she ran for Congress, she was head of the Kuskokwim River Intertribal Fish Commission. She believes co-management combined the best of traditional knowledge and Western science. And, in the best of all possible worlds, the state would be an important partner, given its expertise and the vast body of research on the fishery it's amassed over the decades. But Peltola doesn't believe the current state administration wants to collaborate. So I think it's really just political. But State Fish and Game Commissioner Doug Vincent Lang says the Intertribal Fish Commission hasn't always been easy to work with, and both groups interpret data differently. But most important of all, he says the state has a responsibility to defend itself against federal overreach. Anoka is pretty clear. The federal government has a right when the state opens up a fishery to further restrict that fishery. That's not what's happening in the lower Cuscoquan River. They are opening the fisheries. They are closing other uses. They are completely supplanting state management with federal management. Vincent Lang says he doesn't think Anilka ever envisioned a complete replacement of federal management on the river. The commissioner says the lawsuit forced the state to defend its authority under the Statehood Act and the state constitution. Once we got sued, we had no choice but to defend our, our authorities and responsibilities. The commissioner says whatever happens in court, the state will continue to do its part in providing federal managers the necessary research and data it will need to do its job. In Anchorage, I'm Rhonda McBride. Taking a look at the community calendar. Nominations are open for three positions on the Raven Radio Board of Directors. Mailed statements of nomination must be received by Monday, December 4th. The election will take place at the January annual meeting. For more information, you can check out the community calendar posting or email generalmanager at kcaw.org. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. (music) 